Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting-edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to Learn to Earn with Tyler Chef. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. It is that time again. It is time for another episode of the Cashflow Guys podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Chef, and I hope you came here today ready to learn to earn. Now, today I'm going to talk. I'm going to go back to basics. I'm going to cover what to say when sellers call, what to say when sellers call. Now, what we're talking about today is actually found in the Cashflow Blueprint basic investors course. This is the course that I told you about a couple weeks ago that Larry and I, Larry Harbolt and I put together. This is Larry's course. And what we've done, we've taken Larry's course in, in collaboration with Larry, and we've brought that course online to share it with those of you that are ready to take action and move things to the next level. Now, a little bit about Larry Harbold. He's a veteran of the real estate investing business. Those of you that are loyal listeners to the show, you know that very well. And I hope that you are listening to his podcast. If you're not, you are missing out on some great information. For more details on Larry Harbold and uh, his podcast, go to LarryHarbold.com. That's Harbold spelled H-A-R-B-O-L-T. There's no D there. Harbold.com, LarryHarbold.com. Or you can probably uh, look at the show notes. You can see a link there. But today we're going to talk about what to do when a seller calls. So let me give you a little backstory. You've you've done what you're supposed to do. You've listened to everything that Tyler told you to do. You've been a student of Larry's now for a while. You've done the right things. You've you've sent some direct mail, perhaps. You've done some Facebook ads. You've targeted your marketing. And guess what? It's working. The phone's ringing. So you're looking for properties to acquire. You're looking for problems to solve, right? And this does this applies whether you are a buy and hold investor or if you are simply wholesaling or, or maybe rehabbing or, or whatever, but you're still going to need to acquire properties. And this episode is going to cover just that. So you've done your, your marketing and now the phone's starting to ring. Oh my God, the phone's ringing. What the heck do I say to these people? I'm losing my mind. First tip folks, before we get into the script, I want to tell you one thing. Now, one of the guys that's on the, uh, in the Facebook community, cashflow guys community, put a picture on his profile the other day of this huge stack of direct mail letters. And I mean, huge, I'm talking like 5,000 pieces. It was crazy how big the stack is. And although I told him, I'm like, dude, that's awesome action. I love seeing that kind of action. That's cool. But here's the thing. I'm like, so many people got to answer the phone and he got all, he's like, well, just me. I'm like, well, you better send those out in batches, a couple hundred at a time, because here's the thing. If his marketing message works and that phone blows up, he's not going to get to all those calls. And if he can't get to all those calls and solve those that seller's pain, he's going to lose out. So 
That's not going to work for him. Now, a copy of the cheat sheet. I've put together a cheat sheet for you. I've pulled it right out of the course that usually you would have to buy the course. But in this episode, if you're listening to this episode, I'm going to give you a copy of this cheat sheet for free, the telephone script. And how to get that, go to cashflowguys.com forward slash seller call forward slash seller call. That will get you over to that sheet, give you the opportunity to download it in a PDF. I'm sure my team will make it look all nice and pretty for you. But uh, yeah, go to cashflowguys.com forward slash seller call. And I will have that in the show notes for you. So you can click on that. It'll take you directly over there and give you the opportunity to download that. You should keep this on your cell phone. Keep it. If you've got a Dropbox account or something like that, keep it right in Dropbox. So you can get at it real easy uh, in case the seller calls. You're on the phone. Maybe you got a Bluetooth or something. You can find this document real quick and start asking these, asking these questions. So we're going to start right off with the basics. You know, the date and the time of the call, because did you talk to him last week? A week from now, you may be thinking, when did I talk to this person? Was it yesterday or was it last month? That's important information, date and time. Okay. That's also going to give you good feedback on when the seller is most available, because if they're calling you, well, they're not calling you when it's inconvenient for them, right? So if your phone is ringing at a certain time of the day for that call, it would probably behoove you uh, to write that that name down, or that, I'm sorry, that time down, rather, so that you know that, well, if it's at 1.30 in the afternoon, the guy called me at 1.30 in the afternoon. That's interesting. So I might want to call him back maybe between 1 and 2. Or if I'm calling him at 6 o'clock at night and he's not answering, maybe that's because I'm just calling him the wrong time of the day. So just a little food for thought. Next question you're going to ask him is the the relationship, the person's relationship uh, to the property who's calling. In other words, is this your house you're calling about, Mr. Jones? Because sometimes they'll say, I have a house. Well, that's great. Uh, but let's we've got to dig a little deeper and find out whose house is it, okay? So is this your house? No, it's my mom's house. Okay, good. Now we know we're talking to the son. Okay, so we, in that section, we'd fill out son, daughter, Aunt Susie, whatever. The person's name, address, and phone number, and, and cell number. This is important, and we do this in the front of the conversation. In case we get disconnected, what's a good number to reach you at? Now, I'm going to give you probably one of the most important questions of this entire cheat sheet, and that is, why are you selling your house? Now, nine times out of ten, people are going to dance around this question. They're not going to want to be forthcoming with this answer, especially, well, they will if they're just, if it's a very uh, generic or non-embarrassing answer, but if they're saying, well, you know, I'm selling my house because I haven't paid the mortgage in six months and I'm behind on my child support and the SWAT team's coming to take me away for selling crack, then you know you don't expect those answers to come out right away. So you're going to have to spend some time figuring out why people are selling their home. The best way to figure that out is to simply come up with creative ways to ask that very same question. Now, Here's the thing. Don't get stuck on this one thing. We'll come back to it because if people, you'll be able to tell you've got some intuition, I'm sure. But if you detect that they're not willing to be forthcoming with that information, they're not willing to share that at this stage of the game, that just probably means that they're not comfortable with you yet. So I would just back away from that question, go on to something else. 
Well, Mr. Jones, I think that's great that, you know, I understand that you don't really want to share that information, but let me ask you, you know, when we, when I buy your house, notice how I said that when I buy your house, that's called an embedded command. I'm already starting to lay the groundwork and convince them, get them on board with the fact that I'm buying your house. Just a matter of when, when I buy your house, part of the process, when we go to the title company is they're going to call and verify the loan balance. And, and we're going to need to verify to make sure everything is the, the, the way it should be, because I want to make sure that your loan is fully satisfied at the closing table. So may I ask you, what is your current loan balance, your approximate loan balance? And say nothing. Now, sometimes they will say they don't want to share that information or they'll dodge the question. Well, that's fine, but eventually it's going to come out. Okay, so you would kind of want to try to get the answer to that question. Sometimes they'll say, well, that's none of your business. I understand how you feel, and I'm sorry you feel that way. However, you do understand that for me to be able to buy your house, I first have to satisfy your mortgage as part of the process. The title company is going to need that information. Okay, they're gonna, they're, this is going to be part of the process. If you're not willing to share that information, then unfortunately you won't be able to sell your house. And then hopefully they'll see that, well, they're gonna have to give this information. Next thing I'm gonna wanna know is what is the monthly payment? What's the mortgage payment? And if it's free and clear and there is no mortgage payment, just put zero, it's that simple. What are you asking for your house? Okay, what are you asking for your house? Now this question, I don't ask this question every single time, okay? So for me, I kind of skip over this a lot of times because they may not know it's for sale yet. In other words, just because they call me doesn't mean they necessarily have an asking price. So how I have the preliminary conversation is gonna determine whether or not I ask this, this question this early on, okay? So that's just how I do things. Next question you're gonna talk to them about is, does the house need repairs? Yes or no? And they'll say, well, no. And then let's say they say no. And you say, well, so this, this house is in absolute, you just, it's been freshly remodeled. Everything's brand new. That's awesome. And they're going to usually at that point, if you say it that way, they'll be like, oh, well, no, the, you know, it's been, you know, I, re, I, I remodeled it when I bought it in 1973. Oh, that's awesome. I love avocado. It's my favorite color. They'll give you a little chuckle and that type of thing. And then off you go. So when they say that, you know, it, I did it in 1972, it's avocado. So let me ask you, if I was to make this house like brand new, if I was to renovate this house and really make this house shine, make it look gorgeous, what do you think that would cost approximately? I'm just curious. And wait for an answer. Now, sometimes they'll answer you, sometimes they won't. But you're using this to kind of plant a seed so they can start to devalue the house from what their idea of, of things are. And the next question I'm going to go into is, what type of repairs do you think the house really needs? And then listen. Now, here's the important thing, folks. This is where, and I've said this a million times on the show, and I'm going to say it again because I, it's that important. You can't learn and listen at the same time. It's not possible. My mentor taught me that. <laughs> Several of my mentors have actually taught me that. You cannot learn and listen at the same time. So that means if you want to learn something, i.e. the answer to this question, keep your mouth shut. Okay, don't say a word. What type of repairs does the house need? Don't say a word. Just say that and then say nothing and let them talk. And I don't care if they talk for 30 minutes, let them talk. Because think of it like fishing. If you got a fish on the other end of the line, if you force that fish up to the surface, well, he'll probably spit the hook, he could break the line, he could get wrapped around something, whatever. But if you tire him out a little bit, hang on to that fishing rod, let him tire himself out.
How many bedrooms? How many bathrooms? Is that a one-car garage, two-car garage, or does it even have a garage? What's the approximate square footage of your house? Now, this is an interesting question. Now, when I ask this question, when they say it's 1,983 square feet, that tells me I've got somebody that kind of has a little bit of an engineer mindset. These are people that cross their T's and dot their I's if they know the square footage of their house. Now, the guy that says, I don't know, it's like 2,000, maybe 3,000, I don't know. Number one, that tells me they're really not detail-oriented people, number one. It also tells me maybe they're not the one that owns the house, even though we've addressed that. It could tell me that that to them really doesn't matter at all. Or maybe they're just kicking tires and they're not, they're calling for somebody else and not being forthcoming about that. These are things that I think about when I'm on the phone having this conversation. Another question I'm going to ask him is, if we were to have the property appraised today, what do you think it would be worth? And again, this is one of those times where you get your question out and you apply that 70-30 principle and you keep your big mouth shut. Don't say a word. Don't say a word. Just listen. Next question they're going to ask is, is there anything unique about the house I need to know? Notice how Larry uses the word unique. Is there anything unique about the house that I need to know? Sometimes the answer to this question, they'll come up with, it's got ghosts. And I've had people say to me, the roof is caving in. I've had people say, this is the prettiest house on the neighborhood. Now I'm going to insert a question here that is not on the cheat sheet. But I, I, I want you to ask it when this mood strikes you, when it's the right time. And, cause, and this is something I learned from Peter Fortunato, who is a real estate expert in my market. And Pete Fortunato will walk into a house, and it can be a complete train wreck. And he'll say, now, why in the world would you sell such a beautiful home like this? He says that no matter what condition the house is in. Because he's found in the 30, 40 years he's been doing real estate, that that way of answering, asking that question gets him the best response. And it's difficult to, to put that into a cheat sheet so you can see it. That's why I wanted to talk to you about it. Because remember, that's a question that we're going to ask, a modified version of the question that we're going to ask early on in the conversation. We use that as a way to gauge motivation. Now, when they answer the question with, Oh, I don't know. Uh, I was on Zillow the other day, and Zillow said this house is worth $5 million. And then I could rent it for $6 million. Then you know that you're not dealing with a motivated seller. You're dealing with a tire kicker. And if you're dealing with a tire kicker, you're wasting your time. Move on. I'm here to tell you that 95% of the situations that I hear from people that talk to me on the Ask Tyler calls on Fridays or in our Facebook community that have trouble getting to the numbers they need to get to to make an investment work. The reason is the seller does not have appropriate motivation. Don't waste your time with unmotivated people. Which reminds me to tell you a short story that happened just last week. I've got friends of mine that are good, that are clients of mine, but they're also good friends of ours, and they're looking for a multifamily property in the Bradenton, Sarasota market. Now, close to me. The seller actually said, hey, to buy this property, and this was a multifamily property we're looking at, to buy this property, we're going to need the buyer to sign an agreement that they won't raise the rents on these tenants. I about fell off my chair. I was like, why in the world would anybody do that? We'll come to find out that the seller sold several properties this year. 
And he gets upset when people, the new buyer, raises the rents. I'm thinking, well, what would you imagine to happen? So, yeah, that was rather interesting. I'm going to follow up on that some more because I just find that somewhat fascinating. Wow. Anyway, what's the most important thing to you at this time? Is the next question. What is the most important? What is most important to you at this time? And your choices are getting all your cash at closing, not having to make the monthly payments on your next house, maintaining this property, moving to a new location, or creating monthly income that you don't have to work for. I'm going to ask you not to look, not to read into this too much. Simply ask the questions, okay? Because when you ask the questions, you're going to get different answers from different people. And try not to overanalyze this stuff and, and sit there and go, well, why, why, why? Well, because a guy that's been doing real estate for 37 years said so. That's why. See, if you spend all your time questioning everything, I have people that question us on the 1.5 rule. Well, why the 1.5? Why not 1.0? Why not 1. this or 2. that? I want to know why. Why doesn't matter? And even if I explain to you why, it's not going to change the fact that it works, folks. It works. So just go with it. Please go with it. I've had people just refuse that I'm not going to do it if I, you can't explain to me why. It's not that I can't explain to you why. It's that I'm not going to explain to you why because it doesn't matter. The fact is that it works. So just ask the damn question. What's most important to you at this time? What's most important, getting all your cash at closing? Maybe not having to make the payments on this behemoth anymore? Maintaining this property, is that important to you? Moving to a new location, is that important to you? Pick one. Creating a monthly income that you don't have to work for? Next question you're going to ask them is, would you be willing to give any terms? Yes, no, or maybe. They're probably going to ask, what are terms? I don't know. It depends. Some people, they just want to give all their money to the IRS, so they ask for all cash up front. And when they get all cash up front, they give a large portion of that cash to the federal government in the form of taxes. That's what some people want. I can't convince them otherwise. I can't save everybody. But some people actually want to give their money to the IRS. I'm not one of them personally, but so I figured I'd ask you. Because if you're open to terms, I, there's some potential that I could save you an extraordinary amount of money and give you a lot more for the property than what other people may be willing to offer. The old fashion, is this the best price you can do? Yes or no? People don't like this question. I can tell you that right now, but it, it's a bit of a pattern interrupt and, and Larry puts it in the middle for that very purpose. It's a pattern interrupt. Now, at some point they've, They've probably said to you what they want with their price and whatnot. And then the next thing, is that the best you can do? Or you maybe change up, change up a little bit and go, is that the best you can do? I'm just curious. And the next question I'm going to ask him is, when would you like to close? Okay. When would you like to close? This is a place where you're starting to talk to them about the closing process. They're already mentally selling the property in their brain to you. Now, this is a very important part of the equation. It's very, very important how you ask this question. When would you like to close? 
instead of when do you want to close? See the difference? When would you like to close? When do you want to close? There's a different reaction to based on the way it's being said, if that makes sense to you. Now, one of the questions that we ask them a lot is if they've had the property appraised recently. That's a question I ask. Have you had the property appraised recently? And the answer is almost always no. But in some cases, it's been yes. And I said, really, when was that? Oh, it was when I bought it six months ago. Oh, I see. And what did the appraisal say? And you'd be shocked how many times people will just tell you, oh, it said uh, 70000 Oh, that's interesting. And why are we selling it for 100 now? And they get all quiet. It's like, oh, busted. Anyway, I have fun. You know, negotiation is fun, folks. You got to have fun with it. If you can't smile and laugh at negotiation, you see, everybody feels that there's animosity, there needs to be animosity for there to be negotiation. And nothing is farther from the truth, I'm, I'm here to tell you. Negotiation is meant to have a meeting of the minds, an agreement between parties. That's what negotiation is all about. It doesn't have to be an arm wrestling match. You're not required to put anybody in a headlock. No throat punching or toe-stepping is required. Just sit down and have a conversation with people. Understand that the sellers are as terrified as you are, probably more so. They have more to lose. They're going to lose a property when they sell it. Or they may lose some money if you're effective and you're negotiating. So don't panic. Understand that they're as nervous as you are. Another question we're going to ask him is, are the property taxes current? Well, of course they're current. Okay, good. Or, no, I'm about a year behind. Because wouldn't it be terrible if you've got things all locked up and you get ready to close and then you find out, well, there's a tax lien on the property that has to be dealt with. And, of course, the sellers never want to give up any of their proceeds after they've already agreed on a price. Next thing you know, you're one to pay more for the property because you don't have the the skill to negotiate and ask proper questions up front so you can avoid these situations. This is why we don't ever close with a quit claim deed. Notice I didn't say quick. I said quit, Q-U-I-T, quit claim deed. Do not ever buy a property on a quit claim deed, period. Don't ever do it. If there are repairs needed on the property, you ask them flat out, have you had any bids for the repairs that need to be done? Do you have any estimates? And if they say yes, ask them to provide the estimates. Because people say buyers are liars. Like I'm here, I got news for you folks. Sellers are liars too. Play in the multifamily space and you'll see some serious liars. If you don't get the answer the first time, remember earlier in the conversation we talked about, is there anything unique about your property that I should know about? I asked that question again if I didn't get a satisfactory answer the first time. And a lot of times people have forgotten that you even asked it the first time. But after you've built a little bit of rapport, you spend some time talking to them. They may give you actually give you an answer or a more truthful or accurate answer this go around. So I would ask the question all over again. One of our great questions. God, I love this one because it works so flawlessly. It's such a great setup. If I agree to pay you what you're asking for the property, would you be willing to accept monthly payments for your equity? Let's say that again. If I agree to pay you what you are asking for the property, would you be willing to accept monthly payments for your equity? Now, sometimes they'll be like, well, they don't really understand what that means, monthly payments for your equity. 
if I agree to pay you what you are asking for the property, would you be willing to accept monthly payments for your equity? Folks, it's that simple. Here's the thing. If you were buying a jet ski and asked to make monthly payments to the seller of the jet ski, nobody would find that odd at all. It happens all the time. But for whatever reason in today's society, if a house is involved, everybody's a big fraidy cat about asking to make payments for equity. Oh, I'm not a bank. You're right. You're not a bank. I'm not asking you to loan me money. I'm asking you to accept payments for your equity. You know, so you don't have to give it all to the IRS. It's only a big deal, ladies and gentlemen, if you make it a big deal. Don't make it a big deal. Just downplay it. Listen, are you willing to accept payments for your equity, monthly payments for your equity over time? Would you like a predictable stream of income? Does a predictable stream of income make sense for you? Does receiving, I'm asking it 17 different ways here for a reason, does receiving a structured amount of money every single month over time something that makes sense to you? Boy, wouldn't it be great if you could get money every single month in your mailbox? Think about the different ways you can structure that same question to get people's mind right. thing you got to figure out, folks, is how much actual equity do the sellers really have? Okay, because if they don't have much equity, if, they, if it's a $100,000 property, let's say you're buying it for $100,000, and they owe ninety, well... Guess what? We're only talking about 10 grand. So you're only really negotiating 10 grand. Keep this in mind. If you're going to do that subject to, because every guru says subject to is the way to go, which is ridiculous. Don't do subject to folks, unless you have the money to make the loan, right? Don't do that. It's just extra risk and extra burden that you don't need. Okay. That's kind of a, it's just not a good plan. So think about it this way. The more equity they have, the better deal you can negotiate because you're not negotiating with the banks in most cases. Some cases you can, but not all of them. Actually, not most. But understand when, that, when there's a loan against that property, the only amounts negotiable is the seller's equity. So you're only asking him to take payments for the equity. Don't worry, you'll make payments on his loan for him if you're going to do a subject to. So I hope that was helpful to you. I hope that you see some of the things that the, the question, and this is very basic stuff. I get it. But that's the beauty of the cash flow blueprint course is it's basic. It's simple and gives you a step by step roadmap to making it happen in this game we call real estate. If you want to get a copy of this cheat sheet, once again, it's cashflowguys.com forward slash seller call. Once again, my name is Tyler Chef. I am your host, and I appreciate you taking the time to spend with me this week. If you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, go to cashflowguys.tv, cashflowguys.tv, and head on over to our website, cashflowguys.com. Check out our new website. We've done all kinds of new stuff on there. We've got our videos. We're going to be live streaming on Friday mornings there, so head on over there. Join me on Friday mornings at 11 o'clock for Cashflow Guys TV, where I'm going to take and answer your questions live, streaming on the website, 
also on YouTube. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys over there. Have a great week. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.